Leanne from the Alberta Motorcycle Safety Society and welcome to Think Bike, a podcast about all things motorcycle and the voice of motorcycle safety and awareness in Alberta. We like to talk about everything motorcycle related and bring you great guests to share their stories. So thank you for tuning in. On today's podcast, we are addressing a question we've gotten a couple of times from listeners and uh, some collaborations through socials and whatnot that people really want to learn a little bit more about speed wobbles or death wobbles are sometimes called tank slappers. What, what is the deal? Are they all the same thing? Um, you know, and how to, how to manage that and to help us, we have brought back our good friend, Chris Barnes from Calgary, who was an instructor for a long time. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for the topic. It uh, it forced me to do a lot of reading and a <laughs> lot of research because I thought I had my opinion and then I started to see the opinions of so many others because there's there's so many people on both sides of the fence when it comes to speed wobbles, tank slappers. The best one I heard, though, is the uh, the motorcycle head shake. Oh, it was just shaking its head back and forth saying, no, this isn't right. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that we forced you to do a little bit of research. But before we jump into this, remind us all how you got into riding your career so far. And I understand earlier in the end of May of this year, you got yourself a brand new ride, sir. So tell us about your history and this new bike you got. Goodness. Um, I have always been in love with motorcycles and it was probably, you know, almost 30 years ago that I decided it was time to take a course. Um, I had never been on the back of a motorcycle, let alone riding one myself as a kid. Um, I took a course at Conestoga College in Kitchener, Ontario, fell in love with the sport, fell in love with the people and have been riding ever since. Ever since. Um, you mentioned as an instructor, so as an instructor for 17 years. Um, my wife yeah, became an instructor because she said that was the only way she'd see me in the summer. Um, yeah, and now I do have a part-time job that I still get to go out and uh, demo bikes and do corporate demo rides and what have you. And yes, I do have a, uh, a new BMW F900XR that I'm picking up on Tuesday. So uh, I got, uh, I, I, yeah, I got a very generous offer from BMW and uh, I really couldn't say no. Um, part of my part of my heart does belong to Triumph, as you know, because, uh, you know, it was uh, Arthur Fonzarelli that really got me into motorcycling to start with. So that's awesome. And uh, congratulations to Miss Maya, who is uh, upgrading her skills and licensing and all that fun stuff. I will pass it along. Yeah. So she is uh, no longer riding her 50 CC scooter. Um, and once her heel or once her ankle heals from her foot or her rugby injury, then yeah, she'll be taking her course and she's probably looking at uh, something along the line of a 310 uh, R series or possibly like a, you know, Z 400 from Kawasaki, you know, something that she's going to enjoy for a good couple of years. And then we'll, then we'll see where that goes. Well, families who ride together have tons of fun. 100%. <laughs> All right. So let's get into this. So we got wobbles versus tank slappers versus death wobbles versus head shakers. I mean, are they all the same thing? Just different you know, terms? I was prepared to say 100% yes. 
until I read yet another, another article this morning, which kind of classified the, um, the tank slapper and then the death wobble. It's the same thing. It's just kind of on a higher scale. It's kind of, this is the point that you need to get ready to either bail or you are going to crash. So the, the speed wobble, I guess, is kind of the start of it where it just starts to shake back and forth. And as it progresses, you know, then it can turn into the tank slapper. And that's where the handlebars can actually like hit the tank. Like the, the, the violence of uh, the handlebars moving is that much that it actually hits and slaps the tank. So there's that name. And then of course the death wobble, it's, you have to make the, the decision whether or not uh, you're going to stay on the bike and crash or you're going to try to bail and, and hopefully walk away and, and ride another day. So it kind of ups in severity a little bit here and there. So that's good to know that there are different levels of this. So before we get into that, how do we get out of them and when is it too late? Because it sounds like death wobbles are too late. Um what are some of the common causes that then get this whole thing in motion? Um, so almost across the board from everything that I've seen, everything that I've read, um, they're going to talk about um, speed, right? Um, if your bike has some kind of mechanical issue or problem, um, such as worn bearings, speed wobbles can start at speeds as low as 70 kilometers an hour. Um, majority of the time when you see them, especially the videos with sport bikes, it's typically when sport bikes are going over 120 kilometers an hour. Some of the common threads though, if you know, like say from all the research that I've done, it comes down to just regular maintenance of the bike. Um, you know, like you say, the worn out bearings, too much movement on your swing arm, um, sometimes it depends on the rake of your bike. So you would think that uh, more of a cruiser style should experience more speed wobbles. Um, but again, where you see a lot of the YouTube videos and the unfortunate footage of crashes, it, it's almost always done on sport bikes. A lot of that is uh, excessive speed, doing wheelies. Um, I remember you and I talking about this topic and you said, can I relate it to my own riding experience? Um, I'm not one that does wheelies uh, on the road. I, I can't even say that I, I've ever done one on purpose. Um, but I have experienced them with potholes. Um, I've experienced them with uh, everyone's favorite, the, the tar snakes or the road snakes. And those are the times that I feel it. The nice thing is that um, those are pretty short-lived and they're not near as violent. Um, you know, some of the videos there was uh, one person was on a CBR 1000 double R. Um, I believe the speed was 200 and something kilometers an hour doing a wheelie and managed to save it by taking their hands off the bars. So I have no, again, I think it was more luck than skill, but they did manage to get out of it. Um, the other thing that I found too, is that um, some people try to push their bikes to speeds that their bikes are not designed for. You know, and I think that that causes issues. If the bike's not designed for it and you're pushing it to the extremes, I think that that's the other place that you can run into problems. Um, but unfortunately, the common thread that I do see and uh, is is just regular maintenance. You know, um, I, I have always to my students recommend getting your hands dirty and everything like that. But I also like the idea of at least once a season, take your bike into a trained professional because they're going to catch something. Um, you know, personally, with any of the bikes that myself, Tara and, and now Maya have, we always take it into a dealership at least once a year to get a full checkup. And because like I say, we can we can miss something and I don't work on motorcycles every day. So 
it, it's not uh, it's not just the norm for me. And I mean, that's their job. They're trained to do that and they'll catch it. I mean, you can miss this, something as simple as one seat bolt, but I digress on that. Yes. Um, another thing that I would think may be part of a reason for wobbles in some ways, and it was something that I didn't learn until I took the Daytona to the salt flats, was you do wheel alignments on vehicles, and there's such thing as a wheel alignment on a motorcycle as well. And the coolest thing that I ever watched was uh, a friend of mine um, at the request of who we call the God of salt uh, told him to make sure that my wheels on my Daytona were aligned before I went out and, you know, did these extraordinary speeds on a sketchy, sketchy surface. Um, They use string, which was interesting, but what do you know about alignments in motorcycles? Um, I, I mean, I understand a lot about like, again, when you change tires and they put on the weights and everything like that, um, alignments is something that I'm aware of. I've never seen it done. Um, I, you know, I, it's, it's nothing that I've ever done if I've ever experienced that. Um, and again, I, I think with the speed wobbles and when it comes to alignments, if you ever, you know, even going at slower speeds, let's even say 50 kilometers an hour. And if you just momentarily take your hands off the bars, if you start to feel that wobble at 50 kilometers an hour, then you know that there's an issue, you know, and it could be, it could be your alignment and you would have to find someone um, that is well versed in how to correct that. And like you say, for um, you know, majority of garage mechanics, I guess I'm going to say that do a lot of servicing for themselves or for other people's bikes. They may not have that ability because that's not something that you typically see uh, on a YouTube channel. And I mean, there may be people out there that can do it and and that's amazing. But like you say, it's, you know, it wasn't really until diving into this that I too really started thinking about the alignment of the bikes and, you know, with your experience on the salt flats, very, very different. Um, I'm not sure how much they get into it and like hard knocks uh, up your way on the track and everything like that. If they talk about alignment or if, if that's something that they even mentioned. I, th- I think they talk a little bit about it. Um, I just know that I guess when you're on the sketchiest surface possible, it's, it's probably most important to make sure your motorcycle's completely sound across the board when you're reaching speeds of 250 or more um, kilometers an hour. That is. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. We like to speak Canadian when we're in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we try, we try. Yeah. So, but you, like you were saying though, most of it's like mechanical, I would say alignment would fall into that as well. Um, so if you're in that like lower level wobble, my guess, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you should slow down and maybe go see somebody and figure out why. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is that if you experience this, yeah, we need to figure out why is it happening. Um, you know, at that slower speeds, like I say, 50 kilometers an hour, if you feel comfortable enough, like I say, just momentarily take your, your hands off the bars. Obviously, you're going the straight line and just and make sure that you're someplace you're not in traffic. But uh, yeah, take your hands off the bars and just see, like, if it starts to shimmy or shake, then there's something that's not right with your bike. Um you know, once you get yourself into that situation and it is like the, the lower end of the scale of the speed wobbles, um, kind of like last year when we talked about riding in the wind is, you know, kind of breathe, relax, don't tense up. Um, because again, that's, that's our flight or fight instinct, right? Is that as soon as something goes wrong, we get tense 
and then you're actually adding to the problem instead of solving it uh, when that happens. Um, slowing down was, I'm so, so glad that you brought that up because slowing down is also big too. So start by rolling off the throttle, you know, and if you're going to be uh, going to be applying a brake, then I would be tapping my back brake and staying clear off of my front brake altogether. Yeah. So by rolling off the throttle, you're mean like gently, like don't just chop it. Yeah. It's not, yeah. Not chopping the throttle. Most definitely because because of the movement that's happening in your handlebars, I think um, the smoothest way possible that you can do this is going to be, you know, it's going to end up in the best result. Um, that's why even, you know, our bikes that are all equipped with ABS and everything like that, the idea of, you know, it's kind of like the older cars, right? That we had to like pump the brakes. I'm not suggesting pump the brakes, but gently tap the, the brakes just to start to slow the bike down so that you can regain uh, control of the motorcycle once again. Um, speed typically is the reason that you've been into the speed wobble or the, you know, the, heaven forbid, the death wobble. But if we can slow down that speed enough and safely, you know, um, it's not always the easiest thing to do on the hand or on deer foot, but, you know, if, if you're safer in an area that you can slow down, then yeah, come off the throttle gently or controlled or, or smoothly, if you will. And then, yeah, start to apply some back brake. Um, you want to uh, try to avoid putting any more weight on the front tire. So that's why you want to stay away from the front brakes altogether. Yeah. Because um, if you front brake, it dives down. Yes. Yeah. And that's, and that's the last thing we want. Like, uh, I remember teaching and we would always talk about like when we tried to explain um, counter steering or push steering, we always talked about the gyroscope effect. The two tires want to be in line and um, the speed wobble happens when the front tire is not aligned with the back. And that's what it's kind of trying. It's fighting to do. Um, you see it actually in grocery stores. You know, when you're pushing the cart and you see that that one that one wheel that always wobbles and it's just trying to get in line with the wheel that's in front of it. So you know, in the simplest terms, I guess that's what a speed wobble is. Those tires are just trying to do whatever they can to align themselves. So you don't want to put any extra weight on the front. You know, um, I watched a video where the gentleman suggested, you know, again, if you're on a sport bike, your Daytona, um, I guess two on your scrambler or something like that, maybe try to put some more weight towards the middle. So lay closer to the tank. That way it's taking some weight off of the handlebars and you're putting a little more weight to the middle of the bike to help straighten that out. You know, in certain bikes and big cruisers, you know, that's uh, that's a lot more difficult to do. So when is like too late to get out of this and what do you do at that point? Yeah. Um, the, it's funny. I've got my, the point that I've just got right here is just that there's stories and legends of riders trying to muscle their way out of the speed wobble. Um, I, I don't know many people that have that kind of a skill level, um, you know, short of being a professional or anything like that. So those of us that are just the weekend warriors or, you know, we ride the three or four months that we get in Alberta. Um, I don't know that we're going to have the skill set to do that. Um, so again, putting that little, that weight uh, towards the center of the tank. But if you're finding that doing all the things that we talked about, because this can happen in a fraction of a second, it's not number one, it's not something that we can teach you to prepare for. Um, again, when you took your course, we could build up the skill set and the skill levels when it came to emergency braking or collision avoidance, because we had that opportunity um, with speed wobbles I don't know if we could, if we could have built an exercise to teach you how to do that. 
So I think if, if you are to the point that you realize that uh, you are not going to get control of the bike again, it has to be that decision. Can you find a safe place, you know, that you can leave the bike or you can bail and let the bike go? Um, you know, I, I don't know when that, when that time would be, I, I don't know that you're going to get that marker, that flag to say, now's the time to jump off. It's, can you, um, under control, get the bike to behave again or, or, you know, and again, by being smooth, by, um, applying a little bit of back brakes. And if all those things fail, then maybe you have to think of, you know, this is, this is my last chance or my last ditch effort. So I've heard some people sometimes over, over my years of riding and, and wobbles have come up and I've heard some people have an opinion, whether it's true or not is, sometimes applying more speed might make you come out of it as well. Did you find any information on that or is it more so just get yourself slowed so your bike can regain its composure? Um, I did see some that suggested to increase your throttle, um, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say that in the majority of articles that I read, the majority of the videos were actually saying that the best thing you can do is try to slow the bike down. Um, yeah, almost across the board. I think I'm, I'm, I, and I would lean more towards that way. I think increasing speed when you're, when you're not of control of the motorcycle probably isn't in our best interest. Again, um, I'm looking at us as like, say amateur riders, even though we may ride every day of the summer, you know, I still consider myself an amateur. I still consider myself one that can learn every ride. And I don't, I don't think that putting myself in a situation that I'm increasing my speed when the bike isn't behaving is, is going to be in my best interest. So we're not all Mark Marquez or Valentino Rossi. No, yes. as much <laughs> as we would all love to think so. No. Um, you know, I, I look at my bike, my current bike, the FJR 1300, and I know that I haven't even come close to reaching the potential of that bike. And I'm okay with that. You know, we, our, our roads aren't built for it. Um, you know, motorists that we share the roads with, you know, they're not prepared for it either. So, so you know, the, that's, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Yeah. I, I, you know, again, that's what track days are for to improve that skills. And, and even with track days, I don't know that I would get, um, I'd be able to see the full potential uh, of the FJR, for instance. Oh, exactly. We're, we're, we all are really amateurs. I mean, we have some pretty high level racers, but again, they're at the track all the time and they've probably experienced a wobble here and there with uh, mechanics on their bikes on the track. And, you know, they have different skill sets than, than the rest of us for sure. So the takeaway from this conversation, I, and from everything I've learned from you today if I were to sum it up really shortly would be don't panic and try to slowly disengage your motorcycle to slow down. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. And, and your regular maintenance, um, you know, again, as instructors, I don't know that we could ever talk about maintenance enough. Those daily checks, whether it be your tire pressures, you know, the wear of your tires um, and asking the right questions. Are these the right tires for my bike? You know, um, the tires, other, you know, the tires are probably the biggest safety factor we have on all of our motorcycles. 
Um, so yeah, make sure that they're the right tires, they're inflated to the right pressures that, you know, they're wearing properly. Um, even the best tires out there, you know, sometimes they're, they're made on a Friday and they're not the highest quality and, you know, it doesn't matter what brand or or what uh, label is stamped on the side, you know? So yeah, regular inspections, you know, every time you wash your bike, you know, go over your bike and see if there's something that is, that is off like a bolt missing from the seat or or what have you. (laughs) We're not talking about that. So it's in season one, we actually did an entire episode just specifically on tires for our listeners. If they wanted to go back and listen to that one, because we really went through every type of motorcycle and every type of motorcycle tire that, um, you can combine that combination with and why those different tires are important for those different bikes. So just something to throw out there for you guys. One last question for you, Chris. Absolutely. Not related to wobbles unless you've had one yourself. We're doing a bit of a theme this year of hard lessons learned with some of our, some of our guests Um, as somebody who's been around for a couple of decades or, or more and has instructed for quite a long time. What is a hard lesson that you have learned over your motorcycling career that would be um, something that our listeners could take away uh, and learn from? Um, I think one of the reasons that I became an instructor was from the time that I first started to ride uh, in my first couple seasons, I started to get really complacent. You know, um, I thought, you know what, my first couple of years of riding, I didn't have really any incidents or, or really any scare moments. And probably my second or third season in, I had one of those aha moments. Um, it, I was actually coming up to a, a stoplight. The light turned yellow. I knew that I had enough time to stop. So I just casually pulled in the clutch, you know, started to apply the brakes and I came to came to a stop, but unfortunately, the uh, Peterbilt that was right behind me wasn't able to to stop in the same time frame. Um, this this was my aha moment. This is the reason I became an instructor. Um, so again, I was just kind of focused on my ride. And as soon as I did that quick shoulder check, and I'm so grateful that I was taught to shoulder check every time you stop because that's when I saw that the Peterbilt wasn't stopping. I should have been able to hear it, but uh, again, it all happened in such a, it's happened all so fast that I did drop the motorcycle and I did see it. uh, I did see it get run over. Oh, but you were okay. I was okay. I had the opportunity to kind of roll out of the way and it was a 1987 Virago. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a good lesson. Don't get complacent. Always be looking. Yeah. And and those shoulder checks, you know, um, I'll never forget, especially working with Tara on the course together because we'd see people turn their heads and it was like they were pretending to shoulder check, but they clearly weren't looking. And uh, I mean, we see motorists do that all the time, right? They kind of, you know, gaze at their mirror or, you know, turn their head a little bit, but they're not necessarily looking for us. So complacency, I mean, it happens in our cars. You know, and definitely happens, you know, in our motorcycles. And I know some of the videos and promos that you've done in the past about it's the exact same, you know, the exact same route that you're taking, um, just different ways to get there. And if you ride the same way home every day or you drive the same way home every day, it is so easy to fall into autopilot 
you know, if you're driving home, you're, you're thinking about the day and you're thinking about what to cook for dinner and you're not concentrating at the task at hand, which should be driving. And especially when we're on two wheels, the task at hand is, you know, riding the bike and getting home safely. So complacency is, uh, it can be a problem. Yeah, I, uh, there was somebody that I used to work with um, before he got his license, lived close to me, so I would drive him to work and home. And then when he went for his road test and got his license, his uh, driver instructor or examiner said to him in his vehicle, like in the vehicle, that he, he had some of the best shoulder checks that he has ever seen a new driver use. And he said it was from driving with me because... I think because I ride a bike, so in my car, I really look. And he adopted that just from the few weeks that we were driving to work together. So I like I like that as a, a learning lesson for everybody. And thank you very much for sharing that. I'm glad that you didn't get run over by the Peterbilt because where like, we would have never met. That no, would be so no. sad. <laughs> no, and you know, it's a story that again I tell everybody. It's it's so important just to, you know, be aware of your surroundings. And, and I was, I had the opportunity and I noticed that, yeah, I, I had room to get out of the way because yeah, the, the alternative isn't near as good. No, not at all. Chris, thank you so much for coming back on the show. I really appreciate you doing a deep dive into wobbles and helping us explain um, the differences and how to get yourself out of one. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks, Liam. Well, let's get into our mailbag question for today. And it is from Aaron Turner. He asked us this through Facebook. He's in Edmonton. Um, Why does Canada use a five by eight plate while the U.S. uses a four by six? Now, I understand you all have an issue with the fact that we have this bigger plate because you like to order these aftermarket plate holders from the U.S. and they don't fit and it's illegal to bend, cut, destroy whatever your uh, license plate. So just keep that in mind. However, there is actually no rhyme or reason behind this. I can't figure it out. Can't find you an answer. It's a federal government uh, that sets our plate sizes. Um, And with that said, if you think ours are too big, have you been to Europe? I mean, it's like riding with a placard behind you in some places. They are massive. So it could be worse. But if you have a strong problem with the size of our plates, I would suggest you rally around each other and email your local MP, your member of parliament, and ask them to look into it to see if we can get a smaller license plate for off-road motorcycle ATV type units. And that is our show for today. To make sure that you don't miss out on any of our upcoming podcasts or listen to previous ones, make sure you click on subscribe or follow wherever you get yours. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a guest that you think would be great on the show, or maybe a question for the mailbag, let us know. You can connect with us on all our socials, email us at info at ab-amss.org or reach out through the website at ab-amss.org. Always remember to ride smart, ride safe, and think bike. We'll see you out on the road.